This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome along to the Wise Men's Day podcast where we can discuss another Sunderland game where they avoided defeat, but is it too little too late? That's the question we all keep asking. A short Every window week. of opportunity for you to listen to this actually because we've got Aston Villa to play on Tuesday as well. So it's kind of post Millwall pre-Villa. So you'll have to listen on Monday or Tuesday. There you go. So I don't know who I would be talking to apart from those people. We are joined tonight by um, Wise Men's Day regular Matthew Keeling. Who's fresh back from his stag do? <laughs> fresh, fresh, very fresh, fresh. Being the word you would yeah. use? No, um, <laughs> more like a wreck. I think you sound really enthusiastic about. Yeah, I, I am. Is that because I, it's just hit home what you're doing? No, I'm. Uh, <laughs> we getting married. Still, still, <laughs> no, I'm, not. I'm still uh, just still trying just to recover a bit. I think still talking to the mic though. Still right. Did you um, get dressed up as a Smurf or anything? I didn't. No. Did you get dressed up like that? Yeah, I'm being oh, forced no. to wear this. What I'm wearing now. Um, no, but now the listeners would want to know what he's yeah, wearing. That's not good radio, is it? Just to assume that they can see what you can see. Well, you can describe it if you want. How would you describe it? Uh, Gareth brought it up. Don't bring me into it. Full Weller. Full Weller. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you <Dear> me. <laughs> what? So you left yourself in Brussels. Mm. Left? No, I'm fine. I'm. I'm, re- I'm ready to go now. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think you know we're like, we're gonna it's hang a, our it, hat on that. We've got we? a, a collectively dressed side of the table, obviously, because we've got Nick Barnes Nick as well. Nick Barnes obviously. needs little introduction. Sunderland commentator. Been a while since you've been in, Nick. It is. When was the last time? Oh, you was are a seasoned. Season? Uh, have I been in this guest? I'm trying to think if I've been in this season. Was it near the start? I can't remember. Seems such a long season. And look at him, a professional, speaking into the microphone, leaning into it and everything. Seasons the pro, wasn't he? Seasons. And you've obviously got your Stone Island hat on because you're a hoolie. <laughs> what, what's that got to do? <laughs> you just thrown that out there. What's that got to do with anything? Well, it's got to do with everything to do with it. The fact that you've wear, you, you've stereotyped. I'm very bland. So I'm yeah, I was going to say, let's uh, have a look at your attire. <laughs> it's a shirt and some jeans. I'm I have to say, the only thing that was absent from Stephen when he walked in was a carjack. <laughs> well, there you go. He has got his brother's car at the moment, so I don't know if he's actually there's any consent involved in that situation. So he might yeah, just took it fully insured. I have to say, you know, just putting that out there. Don't know what you're trying to imply. I didn't say you wouldn't be fully insured. I just said you might have taken it without his consent. I don't know. No, 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 no. no. He doesn't even appear. To be fair, he probably would take your car without consent. <laughs> he would, wouldn't he? I don't know. You build you as a proper character assassination. Be brother going on here by uh, you every well, week when you reference him. Yeah. That, to be fair, he hasn't covered himself in glory with the, um, well, the the Japan incident, the Japan and Korea incident, did he? I, that was a long time. And ago. there was a time that was manufactured. And that was a and, long time. And ago. at Hartlepool as well, when he said that he couldn't sit in his seats because he'd been shot in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let's not uh, throw me brother under a bus. Let's talk about um, the football. Lovely car. You, you can speak. <laughs> it is. I love Lexi. You can. Uh, you can throw any Sunderland two. players yeah. under a bus if you like. Not that I think any of them maybe. Well, maybe deserve it for the season they've had, but it's another performance, Nick, isn't it? Where you look and say, well, it's it's better. I don't think anybody can argue Sunderland over the last three, four games, arguably the best they've played all season, but they're just picking up the odd point here and there. It's, it's not it's not enough, is it? They're, they're trapped in this vacuum of not being able to, to see out games with a win. You know, how many four, three all draws, another one all draw at the weekend with, with Millwall having taken the lead. 
and it's they've lost the ability to win games they've lost that winning mentality and they've got to try and find that quickly because they need wins now I mean they need to double the number of wins they've had this season to have any chance of staying up and yeah you're right it wasn't it wasn't a bad performance at Millwall I mean second half yes they did get sucked into a defensive display and, and Chris Coleman admits yes they were too conservative they should have been a little bit braver on the ball you know what they, they really needed to go for that second goal and try and get themselves into a 2-0 lead but um you know that makes it all the more frustrating the goal that they conceded was so scrappy you know they they seem to be seeing Millwall off um, and frustrating them um, so any other point in the season you know a point at Millwall would have been a good point but this stage of the season now it's 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 worthless almost because they desperately need to start winning and anybody who's watched Sunderland knew at half time when Sunderland went on 1-0 everybody was saying the same thing right don't drop too deep in your own half don't panic Go out, try and play the game, manage the game like you did in the first half, and of course the inevit—it's inevitable, isn't it? What's going to happen? Well, the way Millwall players, well, I mean, you know, they—they've only lost one game in the league this this year, um, and then they're there for a reason. In in that sort of form, they are very tough to beat at home. They've only lost three at the Den, so you always knew it was going to be a difficult game. So when you put yourself in a position to win the game, you know, at the very least, you want to see it out. Um, you know, the second goal, yeah, would have been fantastic, but. You know, earlier in the season there were games. You know, look at them at Wolves with ten men. How they defended in that game and saw it through and, and got the point there, which which nobody expected. And yet at the weekend, even being forced to defend deep, in the end, the, the sort of mentality is. I mean, for, for instance, what was Catamol doing defending a yard behind the line rather than standing yeah. on the goal line? I mean, that to me is simple. Yeah. It's not not it's not you know rocket science. If you're going to def- defend on the line, defend on the goal line, not stand a foot behind it. So little things like that creep in, and that's where they're throwing away needless points. The frustration is going to do the thing where you say no disrespect to and then say something derogatory. No disrespect to Millwall, but all they did was lump the ball into the channel. So straight away, there was only two ways they were going to hurt us. Somehow getting in down the side and having a runner maybe going on once somebody's got in the channel and held it. Or set pieces. Obviously, the the goal came from the cross down the right hand side after they got in down the right, great save, and then obviously the score from the resultant corner. But, but you're absolutely right. They had a game plan, and the yeah. game plan was get the ball to Cooper at the back, a diagonal ball across to pick out Morrison, and a knockdown into the yeah. penalty area. They did it get time after time after time, and Sunderland gets sucked into Jason Steele long kick out. Fletcher can't hold the ball up. But do they learn from that? I mean, as Chris Coleman was saying today. The goal that Sunderland scored came because the two players in the corner, McGeady and Oviedo, took responsibility and took ownership of that corner kick. And despite Coleman and Simons yelling down the line to take the short corner, they weren't sure whether they heard them or not, but they actually took ownership of the, of the corner kick, did something a bit different because it was two players onto one and a goal resulted. So why didn't Jason Steele or someone take ownership in the second half and say, stop kicking long balls down to Fletcher play it out to your three centre-backs and play it from the back, maintain possession, keep control of it and then try and get into a, a period in the second half where you have ten minutes purple patch when you can put pressure back onto Millwall. Well, that's it as well you see in every game, I feel. If you can, if we can get... The, the problem we've had recently is where we're conceding within ten minutes. Yeah. And we when we don't do that, you you get you do have a spell. So you, you will have a spell in a game in the Championship. And then if you if you nil nil, yeah. But I think the trouble is as well. Every time we've been sort of one up at half time or leading, you just you're waiting for us to sit back and waiting almost waiting for the equaliser, and it it just doesn't seem to change. No matter no matter how the team's set up, you think we're playing really well in the first half. Just keep not so much. You don't expect them to keep going like that for the whole ninety minutes, but it's almost as if oh god, we're winning. What do we do now? I think yeah, I think they've they've got themselves in a mentality where they go one up. Right, we're 1-0 up. We've got to keep hold of this for love nor money. This is it. This is our three points. Without thinking, look, let's push on. Let's get a second. Let's make absolutely sure of the three points. They don't know how to do it. The, the, the team's so 
sort of bashed and bruised and battered this season that mentally they don't know how to do that There's anymore. No winning mentality in it Yet. at all. Is the they haven't lost a game? Is that right? Go on, well, when they've gone up, when they've taken the lead, some of them haven't lost this season. That's which remarkable, is, which, isn't it? Which is actually yeah. when you bear in mind they're in the bottom three, bottom of the table. But it, it, it comes back to this, you know, that they've won five games, um, and how many of those games then after that have they taken the lead and drawn? Well, do you, do you it, know what the, there's a, there was a stat saw last week? Sunderland are were to this weekend because it might have changed, but I think it was the joint top teams who've scored equalisers in the entire football league. Fourteen times we've equalised in games. Um, so obviously there's a lot of criticism of Sunderland for well, when we concede, that's it, we're finished. But we've co- we've scored as far as in in the the teams outside the Premier League. We were joined top with 14, so we have come back. I don't know that's because there are, we've scored I mean, so, conceded so many Bir- goals. Birmingham at home, um, Bristol City, obviously, uh, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. But then you think of other games where they've been in a position at Brentford, 3 1 up. Yeah. And, and, we equalised in that game, and, though, because we were 1 0 yeah. down. But then they've, you know, what, what a position to be in <clears> at Brentford when you're 3 1 up in a game. Think, right, we'll see this out, but they couldn't. And. You know they can't. They just don't seem to have them. Going back to this mentality of, of seeing games out, of learning how to actually win a game. The only way they were winning games was to try and keep a clean sheet for as long as they possibly could in a game, and and score late. And then all they're having to do was see out the last ten, fifteen minutes of the game, which they did seem to be able, capable of doing. The only exception to that was probably Hull, when we scored quite early on. Yeah. And won one nil. Yeah. And saw it out reasonably. Reasonably comfortably, to be fair. Again, they had a spell in the second half. Though. Yeah, um, could have that could have been two or three. Actually, we missed a couple of chances in the second half, but that's probably the only one we've played in that way, and and managed to win to win the game. So. And so many games that they started well, twenty minutes, half an hour, but had had really good chances and not taken them. And that's yeah. that's clearly an Achilles' heel this season is a lack of a goal scorer, grabbing, leaving, and not really being replaced. Um, you know, has. Being one of the the weaknesses of the of the squad, injuries as well. Gareth yeah. and me were talking about this on the way over, and I would hate for people to accuse me of being a happy clapper or anything like that, or making excuses for the club. We've had injuries to key players. Now that isn't an excuse because all clubs could say that. And what we actually said was, it's frustrating again. Back to the transfer policy in the summer that they had the arrogance to think, no, we're going to cut. Not cut the cloth accordingly doesn't even seem to justify what they did in the summer. Um, you know, they 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 got money in for Pickford and they were just that right. That's it. We're spending nothing, and these players should get us through a season of mediocrity or whatever. And that little bit of arrogance is, is backfired big time because a, a couple of injuries to key players. Well, it's more than a it's, couple. It's, we've had. Well, there's but there, it's, it's what more the, Gibson. The, I mean, you can go on, can't you, Williams? Um, I, the, the whole uh, it's funny, the, the whole situation about the. The money in the summer and the debt and everything else. I think we've just got to accept the Ellis oh, Short. Yeah, I don't want to go over and over that. Again. Yeah, it's gone down a road. That's the road they're taking. Yeah. I think we've got to just accept that that's what it is. You, you've got to get on now knowing that hopefully the promises made to Coleman when he arrived that they'd be getting no money in January, but we'll get a pot of money in the summer. Has that promise kept. been made? That's or are we just hoping? Was, that's what uh, I think Martin Bain has said on record that the, the what he was looking at doing was. January there wouldn't be any money unless he generated something himself um, and they would do as much as they possibly could within the January window to get money or players in but there would be some sort of pot of money in the summer. Now for, for all that, Chris Coleman has said that he and well, basically Martin Bain through Martin Bain tried to persuade Ellis Short to put money in in January because it made more sense to put money in in January and try and keep them up than to wait till you go down and then put money in. But Ellis Short wasn't for persuasion. For whatever reasons, he refused to, to do that. So they're left with the scenario that they will hope for a little pot of money, and it probably will be a little pot of money, unless there's a change of ownership in the summer. So I think you've got to accept that. But the point you make about injuries is valid, because Darren Gibson, when he got fit and was starting to play, suddenly was the fulcrum of the side. I mean, he was everything was going through him in front of the defence. His passing was good. He gets injured. Uh, McNair comes back in, starts to look like a player, strong, holding the ball up. He gets injured and comes out. And they haven't had any sort of continuity in the sense of trying to get 
someone in the middle to keep a hold of the ball and and, and give them that ability to see get see games out and to and to stop the stem of having to go drop deep and defend. With Gibson, Gibson in particular was was outstanding at Wolves. Yeah, was, but it was, was brilliant. He was he's worked off the ball really. And did he get injured on? Was it New Year's Day? Yeah, Barnsley game. Yeah, yeah. So since I mean, now we'll, we'll keep going over. Duncan Watmore as well as another one. A goal threat, a bit pace. Well, pace and pace and power, isn't it? I mean, that's the phrase that Chris Coleman keeps coming back to in this division. If you've got pace and power, you've got a hope. And if at you the add, moment, well, if you, if you add a sorrow and and uh, and what more available in the team as you. Your wide players, or you can even play, you can play two up front with those two, if you wanted. You know, you've got a lot of options with those players. Um, you could play one in the hole, one up front. You could, you could do whatever you wanted with those two. Um, I think the, you know, coming back to where we are now, and I think the positive elements are, <clears throat> we're talking about staying up, and there's obviously been comments. I know some people were saying this week, you know, if something do this this time, then. It's probably the the greatest escape out of them all, and all this. I, I would disagree with that. I think when we when we've done it in the Premier League, we've we've had a squad that has been inferior in quality to most of the other teams in that league, um, because that's the Premier League. You know, a lot of teams will have a lot of good players. Whereas in the Championship, we look at a team like Millwall, who are eleventh in the table, um, doing what they do. So it goes to show you can get results if you've got. The right mentality um, and a little bit of nous. I think there is nous there technically, and, and the ideas are there. The ideas are right. It's just I think we've had so many issues keeping consistency in the side. We haven't had the the little quality that we've got in our squad hasn't been available to us now at the right time of the season. I mean, I, I know people were like, "Oh, McNair's out. It's a massive blow," and it is. Wasn't. I was thinking he was gone for the season, so when I heard two or three weeks, I was pleased because I was thinking, well, he's going to miss three or four games. But remember what he said about a week and a half ago, he said Gibson could be back in two, three, four weeks. So what we're talking about, we've got an international break after these three games. So after the next, yeah, after the next three. So we've got these three to get through, it's a case of get what you can, hope you get through unscathed. And then all of a sudden, after the international break, potentially we've got McNair to come back, we've got Gibson to come back in midfield. But then after those three games, you've only got eight left, and you've got to win five. That's if you haven't won any of the, yeah. of the next well, three. Well, this, you'll know uh, you'll know how many you have to yeah, win. It's still going to have to start suddenly changing. The men, you know, five wins all season, you're going to have to probably win five now to stay up. Well, but I mean, we, I think, but I mean, going back to your point about Millwall and teams like Brentford, saying that they're you know eleventh. In the well, to be fair, Brentford are a very decent team. But, but they both, you know. I mean, it's not inconceivable that Millwall or Brentford could end up in the playoffs, could be in the Premier League next mm. season. That's that's the way the Championship is, because one of those teams in the top six can easily have a run mm. of three, like Sheffield well, Wednesday did. The well, there's always a team. There's always a team, we be, and we another beat, team that has a good run. We beat Fulham, and then <laughs> I think they went on a run, and they only, won, and they only lost one in 14 matches or something, and now they're fourth. You know, it, it and we hadn't won at home in a year. Um, I think there's an example in the Premier League that highlights the point Gareth's making because we, again we were talking and saying Brighton have they won five out of seven or something? And now you, if you compare Brighton's side to the rest of the Premier squad to the rest of the Premier League squad, it's nowhere near. People listening now are thinking, telling us to shut up and saying we're clutching the straws here, aren't we? <laughs> but we, if it, if a fan of any club has seen this before, it's a fan of Sunderland. I think you know. And if we give up, then what's the point? I'm sorry, but we stayed up that season at Poirier. We played Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. and we beat. We should have beaten all three of them because obviously the, the last minute equaliser. Yeah, so it can be done. And they, we're, we're talking. We're going to be playing Burton. We're going to be playing Reading. We've got QBR. Um, those three games, you have to win those three. There's three. Would, you see, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't dismiss Burton because Burton know how to win in this division but you've got the but, they haven't, they have but they haven't but they haven't this season have they? no but so, they're still they've still they've got them. as much chance as Sunderland to stay oh yeah up. yeah but what I'm but, saying but is but they know got, they're, they're kicking they're, they're playing way way above their level but you've got and a, they know it but I'm saying you've got a target you've got you've got a target games you, you to win to, and you've got a target you, yeah, Preston you at home yeah Queen's Park Rangers away well Preston to be fair Preston are 
again, top six, top they're, seven they're team. Good team, but you've got to start looking at games. You think, right, what are the most realistic games? You Sheffield, can get well, something Sheffield from? Well, if you're looking at the four yeah. games off the top of there straight away, Sheffield, Reading, Burton, um, QPR. and QBR. The problem is you've got your last two games of Fulham and Wolves. Hmm. Hopefully, Wolves, Wolves will have won the league. So yeah. that's you know. yeah, that's not bad for us. You know. I was thinking about this. Well. We, we know again, Sunderland fans. We've yes. seen this before, where we've already won the league, and then you go, "Oh, am I going really far back now?" Oh, that was that one. I'm thinking yeah. of when we won the league under Peter Reid, and we went to Tranmere and lost. But that might be like really far back. But there'll probably oh, be a result man. that we not nobody expects. You know, and we, you know that's often the way we're looking at the last eleven, saying. If form goes to form, you know they won't beat Fulham, they won't beat Wolves, won't beat Derby. They probably will go to somewhere like Derby and win one 0 or like Christmas well, going to Nottingham Forest and winning one 0 To be fair, Derby, their form since Christmas has been quite poor, um, and I think they come under the, a bit of criticism at the moment. Um, but the thing is, again, it it doesn't feel as though, and I think Chris Coleman says it quite regularly. I think in this league. I honestly don't think there's that much between the teams. It, you know, it, I just think it, it's a case of your attitude in the game and the reason we've got through the last three games. I mean, how we didn't get anything at Bolton, I, I still don't understand because they were atrocious and we they were the worst team we played this season. We somehow lost the game, which is absolutely ridiculous. Through it, yeah, it was a keeping error, but it was a blatant handball. Mm-hmm. So we've been done, done there, um, and then. You know, good result against Middlesbrough in isolation. A good result against Millwall in isolation. But the fact that they, we've had three games on the bounce where we've been more than competitive in the game and we've looked all right. The frustration has been in where we've created chances we haven't taken them, um, and that those little spells where we've allowed teams back into the game by retreating. But I think when you're not winning mentally, you you drop deeper and but deeper. They, but and they deeper. do have to start. Winning those games yeah. now. If I mean, too... that's the big thing. That Queen's Park Rangers yeah. is absolutely, you know, oh, yeah. we it's have a to gift in a QBR. sense because they're not playing well. No. Well, the results suggest they're not playing well. Um, away from home, it's away from the stadium of light. You know, all the ingredients are there. If Sunderland carry on the way that they're playing yeah. at the minute to, to pick up a win, we've got Norwich at home as well to come, which is yeah. the, one of the games you're targeting. Well, they're one of the few teams we've beat this season. Um, We've got a good record against them at the stadium. You say moving away from the stadium of Lightning, and of course that's that's true. In in going off this season's form, where the players have looked petrified previously, that can't be a thing anymore. You know, starting with Aston Villa tomorrow night. Yeah, and I think there will be a good atmosphere with Villa in the same sense that I thought. I always thought ahead of the Middlesbrough game, it would actually work in Sunderland's favour that Middlesbrough brought all the numbers that they did, and it was a you know a a game between two rivals that actually stoked up the atmosphere to give it a positive feel in the stadium because it's it's the other teams that come I mean when Burton come it will be that that's when it will almost probably if it hasn't improved in terms of them picking themselves out of the bottom three Burton at the stadium of light being such a big big game Burton will love it they will absolutely relish coming to the stadium of light well, knowing the pressure that's on Sunderland at home do you know what as well think on, on the reverse when we go to Reading We'll take three thousand, and it will heat pressure on Reading. And do you know their attendance in the last game was six thousand and six thousand seven hundred? And I, I couldn't believe. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a one for no. having a go at attendances or what. I would. It was, and it's not having a go at Reading. It's more. I couldn't believe that there was only six thousand seven hundred. Sheffield took seven hundred or something as well. Sheffield took a few. Sheffield United. So there's, so. there's twenty five thousand in that ground and six thousand. I mean. It's astonishing. Like I couldn't, like I couldn't when you talk. I couldn't about wrap it. my head around no. it. That's that must be that says a lot about style of football. That does, you know. Like they were in the playoff. They, they were in the playoff final. They were, but they were, but the, the, the way Yapstam sets them well, up is quite. They played at the it's quite slow, light. ponderous, I mean, isn't it? And it just shows fans exactly. Exactly. Eleven tortoises out there. It just shows that fans want a bit blood and thunder, don't they? When go, when your second ball, you know, move the ball quicker. I know that's got nothing to do with anything, but it's just an observation. No, I thought I was in there. I mean, it's extraordinary how, you know, in terms of looking at the managers that have lost their jobs in the Championship this season, that Yap stands still there, bearing in mind the results they're getting and the football they're playing and the attendance. Have they won once in like plummeting. 16 games or something? I think they'd be, they might have been Burton actually, but I can't, I don't, I can't remember them winning many other games. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. To be honest, I, I But it's still a miracle that they still out, not in, haven't been dragged into the bottom three. Well, but it just got, you know, the, the, that's because, because the teams below haven't picked winning the games. points. I mean, Hull is still in the equation, obviously. Um, I wouldn't roll Bolton out because their running's difficult. I mean the the interesting one as well, Gary Monk going to yeah. Birmingham. Well, interesting. Well, his first game is Monday. Well, I came in here three weeks ago and categorically stated that Birmingham will be nowhere near the relegation. It makes me. It uh, makes trouble, and they've, they've just they've, they've lost every game since I said that. It makes me think more and more that he might be a little bit of a chancer because he made a comment. Um, I can't, it was one of the football programmes on, on telly and he made a comment about how he's got to think really carefully about his next job because of what's happened at Middlesbrough after Leeds and all this then he takes a Birmingham job yeah. he plays Middlesbrough tomorrow night I know but uh, just bizarre I don't think I'd be well I'll get to play Middlesbrough this season that'll get one over <laughs> I mean, maybe he's thinking I'll get a massive but well, maybe he'll think I'll just get a massive payout when I, when it all goes wrong well, I they've got I a bit of a budget haven't they I think I don't, I'm not sure what situation I just think, I just think if you're saying over them as well, but if you're yeah. saying yeah exactly if you're yeah. saying I'm thinking carefully about the next job and then you take a job at a very unstable club you would say Birmingham mm-hmm. with, with everything that's going on in the background Bad ownership issues. Obviously, the what you've just said there. I mean, they, yeah, they've got FFP penalty potentially pending, which could be as bad as a points deduction. It worse a transfer embargo. So, the, doesn't if you've got money to spend and you're not mm-hmm. allowed to spend it, don't matter. So, bit of a strange comment from him to say. I was thinking carefully. He mustn't, have, you know. And that actually, it's just weird because we when we played Birmingham, we must have caught them on a good day on both occasions because mm. they were they were excellent. It, it, it's St Andrews against us and they played very well. They look well. like an idiot. I saw them at Huddersfield because they did that game and they were fine there against a the Premier League team as well. I know there were lots of changes. They must have just had a spell. <clears throat> you know, that, and that's a positive as well. We haven't had ours. If, if every team's going to have a little run, we haven't had ours yet. So if we're going to have one, now is the time have to have now. one. Have one now. Well, it is with the games that are coming up. Now is the time to do it. And put just crank up the pressure on the teams above them. I, just, I don't think... that. Uh, there's no reason why we can't beat Aston Villa tomorrow night in my opinion based on um, to be fair we, when we played them earlier in the season I thought they were pretty average however I saw them on the TV against somebody recently and they were very good um, but at the same time I just think on the day if you all you need to do is compete and then See where that takes I mean, you, and we haven't competed enough in games this season. That's been our main downfall. We see every week. Problem is they press high. Villa press high, so they, 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 that's going to put pressure on the back. You know, the three at the back and the two fullbacks, and you, you know, you, you just know it with someone like Graben in the side now. You're just, you're just waiting for him to few pop up. Interesting to see how he reacts yeah. tomorrow, yeah, though, because be he's, he's he going to he's going to get stick, isn't he? Yeah. Now, no, there's yet the stadium's still only going to be half full. Um, a midweek game as well, so I uh, trim a few off the attendance. As, uh, as if it was a Saturday game, I think we'd have a few more. Um, <clears throat> that said, he's going to get some stick when he gets the ball. The fans are going to let them uh, let him know what they think about him, and if the implications are that he's not a, a strong-minded character, and that's why he wanted to be away, and he didn't fancy a relegation scrap. You know, it'd be interesting to see if he reacts positively or negatively to that, doesn't it? I don't know. Like Nick said, I, I kind of like the idea that we're playing Villa because <clears throat> although somebody like Brentford are, are doing well in the Championship and they're a very 
sort of classy side of championship level now it's Brentford and it's Aston Villa there's a massive difference for the players and for the fans it's it's I mean when we were down at Villa Park you know you're looking at that that's a Premier League fixture you know Aston Villa Sunderland and the size of Villa Park and Stadium of Light now and I, I, I think Villa will let Sunderland play I mean I think that's the other aspect about the game I think Whereas Millwall and Brentford, they you know they are good footballing teams and they keep the ball tight, but they've got some, you know, as you'd, you'd almost describe them as journeyman championship players in their teams. You, you look at the Villa, the way they set up the players they've got in that team, their ball player, you know, your Alan Hutton's, your uh, Glenn Whelan in the middle, Conor Hurahan, Grealish, Grealish, and yeah. all these players that, that the Premier League players that, that they're not a championship team, if you see mm. what I mean. They will let those sort of players will let Sunderland play. They will give you space. They will give you time. And with Sunderland having the likes of McGeady and McManaman, who are you know McManaman starting to show a bit of form. McGeady did did okay at the weekend, but if he's given his head into the game like that, it, he's the sort of player you might actually see something of McGeady against Aston Villa. We did all right against. I went down to Villa early in the season. It was Coleman's first game, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, and we did all right, but it was another one of them where we gave away two two goals. Like well, the first one, the first was one was a, a silly foul, one a foul away, on Matthews as well, and then mm, he, he, it, it was, was him who, you know, it was his man who got in and scored at the back. And, then, and then the second one got just took Massive a deflection, deflection and looped over the goalkeeper, and then we came back into it, but we just we had too much to do. But yeah. it was like sort of an optimistic performance. Well, yeah, yeah but I take, I'd certainly take a point field. against Villa. I mean, yeah. from saying points aren't good enough, but if I took, if, if you say take a point against Villa and win at Queens Park Rangers. Four points yeah. from those two games, mm-hmm. is, it, it, to my mind, would be a very, very good four yeah. points. Well, you'd have 32 points. And you're, you back, know, and you're back in, in it. And you're back in it because not everybody above you is going to pick points up. I mean, obviously, they've got games in hand and that's going to be really interesting when they play those. Well, then some play each other as well. There's a few fixtures yeah. where they're playing each other. And they're going, they're going to be... Uh, I think there's one this weekend, but I can't remember which one it is. Um, it might be Bolton playing someone down the bottom. I can't remember. Um, but Or Barnsley, I can't remember. Um you know they, they, the likelihood is they'll probably play in the week before the last game of the season, won't they? They'll probably play That's on the, usually when the when, when they play, they'll probably play on the Tuesday. So we could be sitting there knowing the situation going into the weekend. But we don't, you know, you want to give yourself as much insurance as you possibly can. Even if we have a really good run of results, we're still going to be in the mix uh, because well, we're so far behind. Down. It's going to go down the wire for us. Yeah. But they just got to give themselves, you know, every opportunity to. And they have to start every every game now. We can't go well. Write that one off. Write this one off. We've seen the past it and do it, and the the quality of teams that they've beaten to stay up on previous occasions. So, but the to points me, total is going to be lower. Yeah. It's not going to be fifty one this year. Well, that that was an anomaly anyway. You know, usually, it's mean, about it's usually about forty four, forty five. Forty five seems to be the figure that everyone's talking about. So you're looking at where they are now. Sixteen points is what they need from eleven games. It's not. I mean, it's a point a game and it's a little bit more, like, isn't it's it? Not so it's two wins and the rest draw sort of thing. But I mean, which is not going to happen because they are going to lose games inevitably. So you, you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe three wins might be enough. Three wins, twelve points, and four draws might be enough to to do it. So the you know the, the talk about having to get back to back wins in those eleven, Queens Park Rangers say, Burton, Reading might be the three wins. Yeah. If you can show the same sort of resilience they've been showing the last couple of weeks, and draw those, yeah. you know, significant number of the others, could keep them up. How was Chris Cormann today, Nick? <clears throat> um, as good as he always is, I don't think he ever he ever betrays any negativity when it comes to talking about the position that they're in. Um, he's always very <clears throat> positive. Doesn't like one of those that doesn't sort of it was talking today about. That first game at Villa, he said, "You know, I, to be honest, I can't even remember when it was, or because the past, the past." I'm, he says, "I don't deal in the past. I'm only dealing in what's coming up." So he always is positive in the sense of, you know, we can, we, we've got. It. And that's one thing he exudes positivity in, in the polar opposite that David Moyes used to exude <laughs> negativeness, and um, he will always. He, he's one of those that will not throw in the towel, even possibly might privately believe it's you know difficult and he has had a different he's admitted he's you know he's finding it very very difficult the hardest thing he's ever done in management and it is a very very difficult job without question he is i think in 
part of him relishes that challenge. Part of him, you know, he's a fighter. I think he, he you know, he, he he wants to beat it. He wants to prove to everybody that he can do it. As bad as things are, he seems like he's enjoying it as well. Well, there, there's a sort of perverse, yeah, this yeah. perverse sort of enjoying fighting the fight, if you like. I don't think, I have this feeling that it's a bit of a crusade for him. I think it's a bit of a project for him. Taking the job on was a project and a crusade for him because he knows that if he can turn it round, he's got the wherewithal to really make a name for himself. And as we, you know, you, we've all read Roy Keane's second biography, autobiography where he said it was one of his biggest regrets was he didn't stay because he realised having left what a big club he was in charge of and, and what the potential was, which I think Chris Coleman knows that. He can see that potential but just has to get something. He just needs to find that that corner turn turned and, and then start moving it forward. I think certainly looking at the clubs he's, he's managed, um, it's it's not a typical sort of CV, is it? No, it's very um, always gone a bit off. The, yeah. You know, off sort of uh, Real Sociedad, even Fulham, but somewhere in Greece, some, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, a Greek team, but always gone a bit sort of not the avenue, not down the road you'd expect him to go. And even when he took the Sunderland job, people were saying, "Well, why didn't he wait a few weeks?" He'd have got a Premier League job. Well, we all knew there were Premier League jobs coming up, so he's not stupid. He'd have known West Brom was coming up. Swansea. Swansea wouldn't take Swansea well, wouldn't yeah. take because it's hometown club. He won't mm. take Swansea. But you know, you always know that in the environment of the Premier League, there's going to be manager, managerial jobs. I mean, West Brom ironically might come up again. So, but he, he he decided to go for Sunderland. He decided that it was the project, and that should reassure fans who who maybe have accepted the worst or thinks the inevitable might be that we are going to get relegated this season. The fact that Coleman has taken the job in the first place gives you some sort of hope that he would stick around too. I hope he does because I think finally um, Sunderland have got a manager that everybody virtually, there's always going to be dissenters, feels is the right man for the job. It's, it's bringing back the, the not, not quite the same feeling as when Roy Keane was here because the circumstances are different but a sort of belief that there's a man here that is, it, it's got so much, charis- um, so much personality, so much charisma, so much positivity that you want to keep hold of him. You know, he actually makes you believe that he can turn it around. He makes you believe that this club can be big again. And when you've got hold of someone like that, you want to keep hold of them. You don't want to be saying, oh, well, you, you, you just pray that in the summer you know, the promises are kept. And mm. even if it's League One, he feels that he's still happy to stay at this football club because he can take them back up into the Championship, can take them into well, the Premier League. Well, if you've got £2 million in League One... It's a huge you, budget. It is. There's nobody, when you look at transfers in that league, people do not spend money. Um, people don't spend it. And they don't, they don't pay the wages. I mean, that's going to be an issue with the yeah. squad that Sunderland yeah. have got. But, um, but yeah, you know, the, you don't want to talk about that scenario. Well... We don't, well, I agree with Gareth. I think, I think it. it's like Chris Coleman won't talk about it. It's almost like not asking him the question yet as will you still be here in the summer mm. if you go down? Because you feel that he's been so positive about trying to stay up that is it fair to ask that question mm. with 11 games to go? Maybe with four games to go and they're five points adrift, it's a perfectly legitimate question to ask him. But I think 11 games to go, when we're still discussing, there are plenty of opportunities to stay up. I think it's unfair to ask him now, will you still be here in the summer? Because his his mantra all the time is, look, we're not down yet and we've still got 33 points to play for. There's still plenty of time to, to keep Sunderland up. I think that logically as well, based on what we've just discussed there anyway, he he said himself he sees it as a project, mm. you know, and... and yeah, people change their mind in football all the time. But Chris Coleman, you always think, what what's an exit, exit strategy for people? I think his exit strategy would be, I've had promises broken to me, so I'm leaving. So that's the thing, that's the, that's the way I would see, that's the only way, in my opinion, he would leave. Because I think, if he sees it as a project, he must have understood when he came the situation and thought there is a possibility we could get relegated but obviously I'm going to well, work in an op- I'm going to operate in a way hopefully that we won't go down but we could but then if you're going to bin it after the season because you've gone down it's not really a project is really it it's well, not I a think project no. so he's made a big proje- personal statement yeah. moving up here as well with yeah. the family <clears throat> I mean that was a big thing for him I think especially for Charlotte who's from Hampshire you know that that must be a major upheaval for her 
and, the, and, and two young kids. So to make that personal statement and move so quickly out of a hotel into, yeah. you know, a house, I think again is it, it's, it's showing where his commitment lies, and wh- that he wants it to work. He wants this to work, and I think you know, we've how many times have we been in situations in the last few years that you know you've been crying out for say Martin O'Neill to work, but it, it you know he's sacked and the next one comes in and sacked and the next one comes in, you finally got someone that that everybody believes in. Most people believe him. <laughs> no, no, I we do. No, no. I think you know, said it repeatedly that he's the best thing about the club at the moment, um, in, in so many respects. Um, but especially when you just, know, you're just, looking from the inside, looking from the outside in, people across the country, you know, Sunderland could have just disappeared without a trace this season. If say Simon Grayson still been in charge, no disrespect to Simon, but he didn't. He hasn't got the charisma or the personality of. Chris Coleman, but suddenly here's the former Wales manager with everything he did for Wales in charge at Sunderland has made them a story for right or wrong reasons. But it's a big thing, you know, that's a big thing about being a big club. You know, Sunderland, as Chris Coleman keeps saying, you know, it's a big club, it's a massive club, it shouldn't be in this situation. But it's part of being a massive club is having a manager like Chris Coleman in charge of it. I think as well, when you look at his time in charge up there now, yeah, there's think people have got preferences about systems and stuff like that, and and some people have been more critical than others. But I think I think you know, looking at the job he's done, you know, I think the mistakes he's made are minimal compared to some of the situations we've seen in the past, where it's been blatantly apparent that people have been, you know, laying all just look at you know Dick Advocat, someone who had much better set of players and um. Than, than Coleman's got to work with and it was abundantly clear he wasn't wasn't going to change the way he wanted to play even though the players were nowhere capable of playing that system where with the yeah. you know really open sort mm. of wing backs and all that and we got roasted for eight games and then he went and but Coleman would admit I mean he's the first to admit he's made mistakes I like the way that it for instance even at Millwall on Saturday uh, after the game when imagine me saying to David Moyes well do you think you were a little bit too conservative in the second half that would have been, and Moyes would have probably, we'd have had another diplomatic incident. But um, at least, you know, Coleman addresses it and says, well, yes, you're, that's right. And I, and there are reasons for it. And, you know, historically, the reasons for it this season because of the squad we've got. And he'll be the first to say that, the, you know, we've had that that debate a few weeks ago about three at the back or four four two. He goes, he bows to public almost demand that he plays 4-4-2 and it didn't work he was right it's not about systems it's around the personnel and his problem with the personnel is we're playing the systems we're playing at the minute because that's the personnel I've got and that's where they're most comfortable and they've all got their weaknesses they've all got their flaws and that's why they're in the bottom three it's bottle though that's the annoying thing Bristol City it's not about three at the back it's about bottle and players bottling it like picking your man up and that yeah marking (laughs) heading the ball in the air but we running, made a point. Running we, backwards. We, did. I mean, we were making a point. Still. I mean, we had a discussion today. Three in the back. We had a discussion today at the academy um, outside of the, the press conference about the whole um, four-four-two and the McGeady McManaman. McGeady, you know, there's a, a feeling he's an impact player, and everyone's saying, "Well, we've got to get McGeady involved. We've got to play, and we've got to play four-four-two, and we've got to play McGeady." So McGeady impresses. Chris Coleman bows to public opinion. And he plays four four two, and he starts McGeady, and who lets everybody down? McGeady. Mm-hmm. That's not Chris Coleman's fault. He's you know trying everything, hoping that that was going to be the kickstart to McGeady's season, and it wasn't. It's it's becoming abundantly clear again now that McGeady mm-hmm. is better as an impact player. He definitely looks better when he comes and, on. And for the last twenty minutes, half an hour. But he's trying. He is trying. Well, it's good. To, we got the we got. I mean, Williams who had a. His best game for Sunderland against Mills. We can't yeah. get on the pitch at the weekend. You know, you like. You'd, you'd, he's not going to play him twice in a week. But you'd he, think you'd yeah. think he's going to play it tomorrow. I mean, that yeah. would be my. That's, I, that, I, yeah. that's what the I'm will get involved at some point tomorrow. You've got yeah. As well. All of a sudden, you've got. I thought Ajaria had a decent <clears throat> game at the weekend. The great I don't thing think it was, he had a decent game. I don't think it was as as he wasn't as dominant as when he started first came. But the great the great thing about him is he wants the ball. Yeah. And he wants to keep it. And he's and got a bit of strength. We've got too many players who want to get rid of the ball as quickly as they can. He he want to he might want to move it quickly, but 
to somebody in a red and white mm, shirt. Yeah, like for a point to make yeah. a point yeah. of doing yeah. something with a ball yeah. rather than just getting rid of it so he doesn't have to have it anymore. I think what was evident about him at the weekend I was watching it with me dad and I said he looks I know it sounds like an obvious statement to make, it's true, but he looks like a player who's played a lot of boys football. So he's trying the pace of the game, he's 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 playing maybe at times when he's got the ball he thinks he's got more time than he has and then he gets mm. crowded out or he tries to play a clever ball in a dangerous area because he wants to pick a telling pass but the space closes up a lot quicker maybe or you know the the receiving player might get muscled out of it or whatever where it feels like in the under 23s he can probably play those passes all the time with a bit more but success I, I, see, I think this is another aspect but it's learning he's only played he's, he's only played exactly, you know, he's, he's two a young and a half lad, games he's played under 23s football for Liverpool he's suddenly thrown into a situation where he's playing big boys football now with some bruises in the championship in a team that are, are rock bottom and he's having to find his feet in a team which has got you know, two, uh, two teenagers in, in, in a sorrow and Madger in Fletcher who's 22 and still learning his game um, who, who needs to be more physical but you know he does offer something a little bit different but you know that, that it's a very very difficult environment for young players like Ajaria like Asoro like Madger like Fletcher He's you not- look at Villa tomorrow night most of those players are 27, 28, 29 years old with hundreds of games in the Premier League. They are, they are miles away from where Sunderland are at the moment. You look at um, Fletcher and just because he looks like a target man doesn't mean he is one. And I think that's a problem. That's, he's, he's obviously going to fall into a category where he's a target man. He ain't. If somebody, if well, you that's what I come back like, to. No, he's, he's not. not. I think if you look at his situation earlier on, yeah. why does why were they lumping the ball, lump the ball up to him? He, why didn't someone take his best control? You, from one of the little I've seen of him, his best attribute is his his movement. Mm. Um, and my argument, I'm not saying he's being great. By the way, um, I made a comment on Twitter at the weekend that I didn't understand why people he was getting all the hate sort of thing so soon into his Sunday career, which generated an interesting response I don't think people were too happy about saying that but no. my point on him is and I'm not saying he's been great he's been over the ga- over the course of games he's played he has been poor but what I would say about him how many g- games did Vaughan play for Sunderland and how many chances did he get Hardy's any Madge has not really had many chances in games Fletcher's had chances and that's not coincidence mm-hmm. it's because he's moving into the right areas He's making runs into spaces, which is creating the opportunities for people to, to get him in in the right areas. So I'd be I'd be more concerned if he was doing what he's doing now and not going to the end of anything. Yeah, and I think there's also an issue when you think, well, two Premier League clubs have seen something in him, yeah. and he had a good season at Barnsley, and Chris Coleman has seen he didn't something score in a lot him. of goals at Barnsley. Didn't right. score a lot of goals, but I mean for, for the reasons I think we've been talking about, physically he's not the strongest in the world. Um, and he's, you know, he's not an out. He's not a Patrick Bamford, so you know that there are areas in the game which he's got to improve and he's got to learn. But the point I'm making is that the, the scouts and coaches at Premier League clubs, if they've been happy to take on the risk, they must see something in him. There is something in there. It's finding it at the minute. The environment he's playing in is not conducive to bringing that out because it's, you know, he's it's it, it, it's hostile for him in the sense that when he goes when something goes wrong. That is, everyone picks up yeah. on it straight away. Yeah. There's nowhere to hide when they're, you're in the position that they're in at the minute. His first game was it was it Ipswich's debut. So yeah. he linked up quite well. Cause I thought he looked quite good with Asoro. I thought he looked man. created that yeah. chance um, for Asoro. Linked up really in well. space, open space up. There's, there's something there. I mean, I think Man, Man United offered him a, a new deal when he mm. when he left, and he went went to West Ham, like probably through a tribunal, I guess. But and then West Ham, I think when Middlesbrough brought him, they weren't didn't really want to sell him but they said they offered sort of a ridiculous amount of yeah. money for him so I think there's there something, something there, there yeah. but I think, I, I'd be, I think I'd be interested to see him with Madger because Madger likes to drop off mm-hmm. and maybe <clears> if he <throat> drops into the spaces pulls people away with Fletcher's movement he might be able to get in Fletcher's clever uh, sorry um, Madger's greatest strength I think is dropping off and bringing other people in mm-hmm. so you know maybe he can drag the defenders out get runners going beyond Madger start getting balls out with those runners and then all of a sudden try and have players coming onto the ball um, so, I mean, it sounds quite but simplistic possibly, I, I but can't see that happening against Villa when you look at their back four no I mean that's you know the, the they, are, they Sorum, playing, uh, are they playing four now are they because yeah. I think they played three well, but Sheffield well, Wednesday they? they played four so 
assume that he does that again. Steve Bruce does he scored, that again. He scored grabbing, didn't he, against Sheffield? Do you want to show we have our Lewis grabbing facts? We haven't put our break in, so I'm going to have to find a place in the thing. <laughs> so I apologise for when you heard the advert earlier and probably cut one of our conversations in half. Um, yeah, grabbing, so you pointed out... Yeah, if he, that, if he scores against us tomorrow... He scored for Sunderland against Aston Villa and for Aston Villa against Sunderland in the same season. And the other one is that he scored for Sunderland. He scored against all four of his former clubs he's played this season: mm-hmm. in Millwall, Brentford. Norwich, Brentford, and who was the other one? Reading. 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 So if he scores for Villa, he's scored against all five. So, but he's rubbish grabbing any because he doesn't. Well, show interesting, he scores, interesting, interesting, no. And interestingly, Hogan's been playing up front. All his championship goals have come this year. Prolific, mm. but you know, obviously, I think you know, like we were saying, he's grabbing. Obviously, hasn't conducted himself in, in the greatest of manners by this by the sound of things. So, there's probably a reason why he's been milling around at Bournemouth on a massive contract, not that bothered about playing football. Well, Aston Villa turning up to play your team in a game of football should be an occasion. Better than this one. Most <laughs> annoying away fans in the in. Oh, they are, they are, they are, they are hideous, song, hideous, hideous. Empty seats, me lord. Uh, <laughs> yeah, having plenty of that tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, despite the uh, the attendances of Villa Park, not going to mention. Oh, they're, they're on the rise at the moment. But anyway, um, so let's have another attack on attendances. Know, let's just hope you've been spending too much time in St James's Park having a go at attendances. <laughs> you, there was only you referenced uh, attendances today. But you just did it then, so both of us. No, yeah, because of the irony in Aston Villa when they sing, you know, when any club yeah. sings about your empty seats, when there's empty seats at their ground, that's it. I hate, I, I, I hate all the attendance stuff. I hate that stupid garden shed song that they sing. Like I, it was funny when we first opened the Stadium of Light. It was funny because we were at Rocker Park and we moved to that and we were big, out of this big ground. We were in the championship level. We were going on all these tiny grounds. It was quite a funny song. Mm-hmm. Then going to like Highbury and singing it to the Arsenal fans because we had a bigger ground than them. But well, that was 20 years ago and the novelty's wore off. Stop it, stop singing it, just stop it. Right, we'll be back on Thursday. He hasn't got a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> to uh, discuss the glorious win against Aston Villa and, of course, um, the trip to QPR this weekend. Thanks for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.